All right, the 2020 NFL Draft, all complete. I got a, a Beat Writers Roundtable. It looks like Hollywood Squares. Let's start with uh, down below, Jason Hershort, Sports Illustrated, Joe Reedy, Associated Press, Daniel Popper, The Athletic, Haley Elwood, Chargers.com. Guys, welcome. Um, Popper, you joined us on Thursday. Uh, the Chargers got better today. Um, four players, and I sense the theme, uh, leadership, guys who uh, were really impactful with their college programs. Jason, we'll start with you. What'd you think? Well, I mean, obviously you can't discuss the Chargers draft without talking about what they did on Thursday night. I mean, a quarterback was always something that was going to be on the table so long as, you know, one of the top guys was available that they liked, but that they came back in, added a linebacker. I mean, Tom Telesco has not really traded up much in the first round during his time as general manager. So to see that kind of change in his behavior, I think really informs what they expect of the season, that they feel like they can really win now with the right additions in the draft. Haley, do you want to be the first person to congrats Joe Reedy on getting selected or <laughs> you want it to be me? Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, Joe, congratulations, Reed <laughs> E. I know we were we were warming up for this call and, and Joe's very excited to probably don one of the uniforms. Um, I think he mentioned the navy blue. It totally brings out your eyes, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was unique. Uh seeing him because somebody on Twitter, I think last week they were doing draft profiles and uh, they did a Joe Reed profile. And I think a couple of people in Cincinnati were scared and were asking if that was a draft profile of me or not, <laughs> where I was like, good directional punter, uh, no speed threat <laughs> if uh, the returner gets to the second level. But uh, I had excellent coffin corner skills. So <laughs> it's fantastic. But, Joe, uh, would you make of, we didn't get a chance to talk to you on Thursday night. So just your, your overall thoughts on, on all six picks. I think we figured it was going to be mostly offense and not a lot of defense this year. And it, it and it basically flipped a script from last year. I think the number of skill players surprised me a little bit, especially with two wide receivers but you look at both of them, Reed, with what he can do in the return game, also lining up a running back at Virginia and being a receiver, and then uh, K.J. Hill at Ohio State breaking uh, former Charger David Boston's all-time uh, receptions record there uh, and the number of quarterbacks he played with over the four, over the four years. Uh, almost needs a lifetime achievement award with the number of quarterbacks he played with. When you think it started with JT Barrett and ended with uh, Justin Fields with Haskins, Burrow, and uh, a cast of thousands between there. But as one who has uh, seen UCLA football the past two years in relation to my other stuff, very happy that they were able to get Joshua Kelly. I think he was a guy at the end of last season we were, you know, maybe thinking a late round pick and hoping that Josh would get drafted. He was supposed to go to the collegiate bowl at the Rose Bowl, but ended up getting a last minute senior bowl and really invite and really made the most out of it. So I think the team has definitely improved, but for good or bad, this is going to be known as the Justin Herbert draft class and uh, his legacy and the legacy of this franchise whenever he gets on the field now rests in his hands. Popper, the offense, uh, Joe kind of alluded to it with 
Hill and Reed and Kelly. Uh, you're getting weapons that could probably make an impact this upcoming year. But also, when you think about Justin Herbert, maybe a few years down the line, uh, these are guys that can kind of grow together. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the one the one thread through all of the picks, apart from what you mentioned, just the leadership, which is what they're always looking for. They're always there's a specific culture they want to establish here between Tom and Anthony. And Anthony, I mean, the, I go back to training camp last year when Anthony's like, we need to find the right 53 guys, not the best 53 guys. I think that's a very good indication of how they want to build the team. They're looking for high character guys. But the other thread is speed. And every single one of these players has speed in the first five rounds, including Kenneth Murray the linebacker they chose who ran a four five two at 241 pounds Herbert, one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the draft. I mean, you have Joe Reed ran a four, four, seven. I mean, even Joshua Kelly, as Joe alluded to four, four, nine. I mean, these are, you know, all, already the second fastest, third fastest players on their offense after, after Austin Eckler, um, you know, and, and it's all geared towards beating the chiefs. They're the best team in the league. They're the fastest team in the league. They proved this past season that you have to be fast to win in the NFL right now on both sides of the ball. Um, the Chargers were particularly lacking in speed on offense, and they addressed that with their fourth and fifth round picks. Um, and then a guy in Joshua Kelly, who a lot of people thought would be a, a day two pick and, and fits well in that running back room um, as far as, you know, being a guy that likes to run between the tackles, you know, north-south type runner. Um, and then K.J. Hill was a steal. I mean, everyone I looked at had this guy as a third round pick, maybe a fourth round pick at worst pick him up in the seventh round um, and it gives you flexibility here Keenan Allen is on the last year of his contract KJ Hills is, is, is in that mold as a route technician kind of slot guy it gives you options you know it gives you options to, to move potentially move on for Keenan Allen. I'm not saying that's half that's going to happen but you want those kinds of options the same way that Chen Wosu gives you the option to to move on from Melvin Ingram um, I thought it was a great draft all around um, outside of not drafting an offensive lineman hey Haley you talked to both of those wide receivers today and Joe Reed was a first-team All-ACC at two different positions, kick returner and all-purpose. And then J.K. Hill, what can you say about the all-time receptions leader at Ohio State of all schools? What did those guys have to say about joining the Chargers? Yeah, so we'll start with K.J. Hill first. And what I thought was kind of cool, I read a little nugget and asked him about it. It was Chris Carter who basically persuaded him to come back to Ohio State for his senior season. I guess if Chris Carter talks to you, you're probably going to listen. But um, but he basically, I asked him, like, what did he say? Like, what did he say that made you come back? And I guess he said Chris Carter told him, maximize your potential. The league will always be there. When you look at what he did his senior year at Ohio State, he certainly did do that. He set reception records. He broke reception records, like Joe had mentioned. And I think he, he sort of kind of came into his own and felt comfortable and felt sort of like he had unfinished business that he was able to take care of. And then getting to Joe Reed, he obviously has that special teams ability, but you guys talked about his versatility. And he said that's ultimately what makes him such a great overall player is the fact that he's lined up at all these different positions. When it comes to special teams, he said that he doesn't really think about it. He just has this inherent trust in what he sees, trust coaches that put him in those positions. And I think that's a really great mature quality to have, especially as a rookie, when you can kind of come in and just essentially trust those people that are telling you to be put, you know, trusting, I guess I should say, that those people will put you in the best positions and just kind of going from there. But, um, but yeah, the versatility, I think these are two really great pickups overall. 
By the way, forgive me. I think I said J.K. Hill. It's 6 p.m. It's K.J. Hill. <laughs> it's, we have had so, a few long days it's, here. It's, it's, it's been a few long JK, days. J.K. J.K. It's K.J. J.K. Dobbins, K.J. Hill. Ohio State. Yeah. A lot of Ohio Listen, was, State action there. I was in the ballpark, right? I was in the horseshoe. Right. <laughs> I think hey, the interesting Joe. thing that Anthony, when he was talking about Joe Reed was he brought up Josh Cribbs and Brad Smith, two guys yeah, yeah. that he that he has coached at Cleveland and uh, with the Jets. Both those guys were quarterbacks who became special teams threats and everything else. But just imagine what Anthony might be able to do with a running back receiver and a special teams guy. I mean, I don't know if the kids ever played quarterback or not, but almost like a Jim Jensen type that can uh, do almost everything at any time. Hey, Jason, Joshua Kelly, you lose Melvin Gordon, right? What a situation he's in. He he goes into a a running back's room. You couldn't find two better dudes than Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. You're coached by Anthony Lynn, a a running back who has won a pair of Super Bowls. And Daniel Jeremiah was talking about this on the broadcast – Joshua Kelly didn't have to catch the ball out of the backfield at UCLA. He was just – he was the bell cow, right? The, the pass protection, that's something that was on display at the Senior Bowl as well. He has the makings of a pretty complete back, and it's going to be a nice compliment to the guys they already have. Yeah, and I think he also fits maybe the way that this offense is going to change from what it's been the first couple of years of the Anthony era. And we heard him discuss late in the 2019 season – the outside zone, some of the stuff that has become really popular the last few years with the rise of Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, a lot of those coaches who share a schematic route with what Anthony Lynn likes to do. Joshua Kelly ran a lot of outside zone at UCLA, did it really, really well. I mean, fans back home, if you just look at the highlight package that ESPN and NFL Network put up, it's really just Joshua Kelly destroying defenses going off tackle. So it, it makes sense for what they appear to want to do. He's certainly very athletic, and he does things a little different from the other guys they have in that backfield. Austin Eckler, obviously, very versatile, can do a lot of things, not even just things you think of with a running back. And Justin Jackson has been a, a very efficient between-the-tackles runner. And Joshua Kelly can do a lot of the other things in between those two extremes. So it gives them a nice set of running backs, and maybe we'll see maybe more than like a, you know, a tandem that we've seen at the top with the Chargers the last few years. This might be a large larger committee moving forward because of how good Josh Kelly already is. He hung 289 on USC popper. And I want to ask you, Daniel, about the the special teams aspect in all of this, because Aloe Gilman, Coach Lynn compared him to Adrian Phillips. You lose Nick DeZubnar. You're getting guys who could contribute on special teams right away with a lot of these picks. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they were looking at with that six round pick. And, And I tweeted it pretty much right afterwards. You know, I just after thinking about it, taking a safety. Well, they lost Derek Watt, their leading special teams tackler. They lost Adrian Phillips, who was their leading special teams tackler in 2018. They lost Nick DeZubnar, who was their leading special teams tackler in 2017. That's all your production. You know, those are all the guys that are making the tackles on your coverage units. Where are you going to get that production from? Um, and that's why they go out and they draft a Logie Gilman, a guy who played on all core four special teams at, at Notre Dame. And like we talked about before, has all of those kind of leadership locker room characteristics that you're looking for um you know formerly attended navy you know checks a lot of the boxes in that department but like when you get to the late later in the draft this is these are the things you have to start thinking about it's not just about having speed on offense and having a good linebacker like you got to be able to stop 
the opposing kick returns. You have to be able to stop the opposing punt returns. If you're getting gashed in that department, you're going to lose a lot of games because you're going to be losing the field position battle. Um, and I think KJ Hill is another guy that could help you on special teams as a, as a coverage guy. Um, so, you know, that's sort of what you're looking for in those sixth and seventh rounds. You want guys that can fill those roles and, and the Chargers had a need in that department. It wasn't something that I really the draft, but once they make the pick, it, it makes them find a way to replace those guys, you know, that you lost on, on your special teams coverage units. Haley, I joked with Coach Lynn. I asked him if he was the head coach of the LA Chargers or the, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish yeah. a- after today. It's, it's a lock that a member of Notre Dame is going to be on this roster every single season, I think. And a defender at that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. I think, obviously, I think we're all three of them. We're all three of them captains at one point for Notre Dame. Tranquil Drew, was. Drew Tranquil was for sure. Okay. Um, but they all played together. And I know, right. I know just talking to Troy Pride Jr., the, the corner who went uh, in the fourth round today, he was with Isaac there too. So I think Isaac was with uh, – well, maybe Isaac was not because he, he transferred from Navy, correct, Gilman? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I so, think he's, so he, I think play he redshirted that, that – yeah, I think I think they missed each other. But but overall, I think when you look at rookies in general, and Chris, I believe you talked to him, and, and you might have referenced this with him, but when you look at rookies in general, Tom had talked to me about this, you kind of forget the stress that comes with leaving one spot and having to pick up and move to a brand new place. Well, this guy is coming west, and he has so many pieces already out here of – no, you know, knowing where to go when he can get out here, albeit we'll say that, but he already has that sort of built in bond with guys on this team. Drew Drenkel has been tweeting all afternoon, how stoked he is. So that familiarity, it helps you. I mean, look, Drew and Jerry went through it together last year and they both had connections with Isaac and whatnot. So to have those bonds again, it's just so helpful. Or I guess I should say, I imagine it's so helpful as a rookie. And there's clearly something about what these guys did in college and what they're able to do at the next level, that is really impressive to this front office staff because, like you said, we are now, you know, two or three, excuse me, in the last two years, and then you add Isaac a couple of years ago, four Notre Dame Golden Domers right there. And this may be incidental, guys, but the fact that you get all these guys who have played a ton of college ball, right? Uh, Hill was a fifth-year senior. Uh, you have a ton of seniors maybe that learning curve from going to, to college to the pros won't be as steep in an unconventional year where we're doing a lot of things virtually, Joe. Yeah, I think so. And I also think the, the other advantage that can't be understated, I think when we look back to the lockout in 2011, is that coaches can have virtual meetings with these players. They can send the playbooks to these guys instead of, I know with the Bengals in 2011, it was a new offensive coordinator and Jay Gruden. Luckily, Andy Dalton was able to visit the complex and got the new playbook and was able to mimeograph it for all of the veterans and everything. And I think it can't be understated, not only the rookies, but the veterans on the team this year. You're going to have a – Shane is the permanent offensive coordinator now. The offense is going to change to a new style because you don't have a conventional drop back quarterback in Phillip. You'll have a quarterback that maybe on third and one and fourth and one can sneak it in. Not a not an indictment against Phillip, but that just shows how things can change. You've got a new offensive line coach with a new zone blocking scheme. 
and everything. That having these virtual meetings, and Anthony was pretty um, positive on it this week. He just can't speak enough on how the coaches are going to be able to do the instructions and everything. But it's really up to the players on working out and getting the uh, getting the uh, training and everything. And I think we saw in 2011 with rookie quarterbacks, even without having an offseason program, some still came in and had a pretty decent year. Cam Newton didn't have an offseason workout, was the NFL Rookie of the Year, and set the world on fire. Andy Dalton led the team, to, led, the, led the Bengals to the playoffs. So the fact that I think, especially with four quarterbacks in the first six picks, I think – I think they're just going to be fine still getting the workouts with assistance and stuff. And maybe it is overblown a little bit, the fact that they're not in the building right now. Hopper and then to Jason, I want to ask you guys both this, because Haley brought up a good point the other day about James Campen being the new offensive line coach. And Daniel, I know you asked about offensive tackle. Uh, when you have a new offensive line coach, I go back to Seattle when, when their offensive line was in shambles in 2017 and what a world of difference just bringing in new coaches and, and implementing a new scheme did for them. The fact that James Camp is coming in, familiarity with Brian Bulaga and uh, just a reputable name in the league, how do you think that that's going to work when it comes to the development of guys like Trey Pipkins and, and Sam Tevy and uh, Trent Scott? I mean, I think they're, they're putting a ton of trust into James Camp and to develop these guys if they decide not to bring in an offensive tackle. I think that's still a possibility. I mean, Anthony Lynn said it was a possibility. Jason Peters is still available, uh, you know, pro bowl left tackle, obviously not still at that same kind of level, um, but a guy who could come in and make a lot of sense as, as a sort of a mentor to allow Trey Pipkins to develop for one more year. But if they don't, it's going to be up to James Camp and to develop these guys. The other facet of this, as Jason was alluding to earlier, is that the scheme is going to change significantly. Um, and Tom, for the first time, admitted that it's going to include more quarterback movement, more play action. I imagine they're going to implement some RPO. I imagine they're going to implement some zone read. It's going to be a more run-heavy offense, and all of these things are going to allow your young players to have less on their shoulders uh, because ultimately with Phillip Rivers on the team, he's dropping back at least 30 times a game, most of the time over 40 times a game. And he's there and he's effectively a sitting duck because he can't move that well. And so you, that puts a lot of pressure on your left tackle to stand up some of these really, really talented pass rushers. Um, and ultimately that's not a great recipe if you have a young tackle or maybe someone who isn't as polished in pass protection. If you're moving your quarterback and he's a righty, he's most of the time going to be rolling out to his right side away from the left tackle. So all these things sort of sort of factor in. I think it's a combination of them trusting James Campen and his developmental skills, and then also these scheme changes that are going to come to this offense. It's going to look a lot different, and I imagine it's going to look a lot more like what the Ravens do in Baltimore under Greg Roman, who coached with Anthony Lynn in Buffalo in 2015-16. I want to hone in on one particular thing that Popper said, because Telesco, Anthony Lynn, all of them discussed play action as being a big part of the offense moving forward. And that can mean a lot of things, but in particular, it's a way of slowing down the pass rush. We've seen it across the league, especially the past few seasons, and everything indicates that that is going to be a bigger part of this offense moving forward. And even last year, in the last few years, 
that offense had been very effective on play action. They just didn't use it a lot. Now, if that's going to be a larger component of the scheme, you can mitigate some of the inexperience at offensive line. So if the left tackle, whether it's Trey Pipkins, Trent Scott, maybe someone we don't even know of right now in that competition, they're going to get some help from the scheme because they're not going to have to just be on an island blocking one-on-one as much as they have had to in the past. I think that's one of the big changes that we can expect to see in 2020. All right, guys, let's go around the horn to close this out. Your, your parting shot, your, your final thoughts on, on the 2020 NFL draft. Joe Reedy, we'll start with you. I think overall for having only six picks, Chargers addressed their needs, did well. We talk about trying to catch up with speed with Kansas City, but the bad thing is Kansas City got quicker too. I mean, the LSU running back in the first round and, and who they added is, you know, going to be a they're, – they're still the team to beat, but I also think the other good thing is that there's not pressure on Justin Herbert to come in day one and be the franchise quarterback because nobody knows Tyrod Taylor strengths and weaknesses better in this league than Anthony Lynn. And I think Anthony's going to get the most out of Tyrod, but if Justin has a great training camp and, and supplants him, so be it. But at least there's no pressure to come in day one and be the man. By the way, a lot of teams in the AFC West got faster. Henry Ruggs in Oakland, they drafted a million wide receivers. Uh, Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler in Denver. But uh, I think the Chargers is well-rounded, a well-rounded draft when, when you look at both sides of the football. Haley? I think I have to say, I love, actually, you brought this up, just the leadership that a lot of these young guys have. And, and Tom told me the other day, look, it's very hard when you're young and when you're a rookie to kind of come in and, and sort of assume that position. But what these guys did for their programs in college, they've earned leadership, they've had leadership, and they can definitely grow and build on that throughout their time with the Chargers. Now, one thing I'm interested, though, is just kind of where we go from here. This draft was virtual. I think, though, for us, from what we do, besides just being at home, and Tom had alluded to this, it felt very normal in a weird sense, just beyond the surroundings, because we're still doing what we normally do. But where do we go from here once we sort of you know, put a bow on this after this weekend and then go back to off virtual off-season programs and then how those rookies get integrated in. I think it's going to be really interesting, something that's interesting to follow, and then always just what's going to happen over these next couple months just in general. Yeah, it's fascinating to know how these guys are going to get up to speed virtually and a lot of trust being put on the players to be at your best when it comes mm-hmm. to just staying in shape. Jason, you're next. The first pick the Chargers made was very obviously about the future. Anytime you take a quarterback in the top 10, it's about the future. But everything else that Tom Telesco and the Chargers did was about winning right now. And I think that really reinforces a notion that a lot of us had from last year, that despite the fact the Chargers only won five games, they were a much better team. They just had a lot of bad luck with turnovers, things that will regress positively in the future, you would assume, just based on the numbers. And if that's a team that's better than they performed last year, and they added a lot of pieces that contribute to the team right away, that even in a position where you know they're in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs, there are just a lot of talented teams at the very top of the AFC, they have the opportunity to not just get back into the playoffs, but maybe be more than just a playoff appearing team if things go reasonably well in 2020. Love it. Daniel Popper with the final word. So overall, this was a really good draft. And for the first time in Tom Telesco's 
tenure as general manager, they will have a very talented quarterback on a rookie deal, which is what you're always looking for. And that's what this draft ultimately will be remembered for. And that's the defining thing of this draft. But like my presiding feeling still after mulling this over after the draft is over is like, I still think that the chargers are overestimating what they have on the offensive line, even with the additions and trades that they made this offseason. I hate being the negative Nancy, but you look at the depth and you know, you never want to talk about a player potentially getting injured, but that's the reality of the sport. And, and in order to properly address your depth and analyze your depth, you have to consider it in that context. Brian Bulaga is your starting right tackle. If he goes down, what do you have at the two tackle spots? If you don't make any more moves, you have Trey Pipkins at left tackle and Sam Tevye at right tackle. That is 2019 all over again, and that was the biggest issue with this offense was not being able to protect the quarterback. I don't know if, if, if James Campen's developmental skills and the changes in scheme are enough to make that reality if Berlaga does end up going down something that's going to work for this team and make them successful on offense. I still feel like they have to add a tackle. That's when I when, that's my my number one thing coming away from this draft is that they have to address that position still. I don't think they have enough there. And I think that at some point next season, if they don't address it, it's going to come back and bite them. Let me just counter that real quick, because because Tyrod Taylor, his mobility and also J- Justin Herbert's mobility. Do you think that factors in at all? The fact that they these guys can move around a little bit? Yeah. I mean, of course, it, it, that, that's the number one factor in this. And, and that's really when you like when I asked Tom about it you know, an hour ago, whatever, a half hour ago, you know, that, that's what he's alluding to is like, we have quarterbacks now that are going to be able to escape the pocket. They're going to be able to move around. We are going to design things that are going to move them. That's going to take some of the pressure off of these guys. But ultimately, I just don't think if in, in an instance where Belaga goes down, or even if one of those two guys between Sam Tevy and Trey, Trey Pipkins is starting a left tackle, I don't think the combination, combination of James Campen and having a more mobile quarterback is enough to overcome the flaws that they have at that position right now. Well, we'll see. We hope that we get these guys on the field very soon so we can have these conversations in open air at Jack Hammett Sports Complex and – and Six feet apart. Before that, Six feet apart, though. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. Hey, I know it's been a, a long day, a long weekend. Um, Popper, you did this. You did double duty for us this weekend. We appreciate it. Jason, Joe, always appreciate your contributions. And Haley, get some rest. It's you been a long well. weekend. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. Appreciate your time.